Hey, Enduring Church listeners, we're so glad to have you with us today. We're excited to bring this episode to you today, but before we jump into it, I did want to let you know that this episode has a little bit of a volume fluctuation that was beyond our control. Our internet signal was spotty and we didn't get quite the recording that we normally like to have, but the content's there and the content's great. Just know that if you hear some fluctuations in the volume, it's not your speakers, it's on us, and we'll certainly hope to do better next week. But thanks again for tuning in to the Enduring Churches Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches Podcast. This is Trent, I'm here with Alan, and we do this podcast to be able to help you to endure in ministry. We want you as a minister to endure, and we also want your church to endure as well. And so today, Alan, uh, we want to talk a little bit about um, jobs in our churches and who knows what to do when somebody's gone, right? Yeah, so I was uh, working with a church not long ago who found themselves uh, without a pastor. And when they started looking around, they realized that the pastor did most all the jobs in the church or the pastor's spouse did a big chunk of the jobs and they did not know what they needed to do. And so that just kind of began the wheels turning in our minds of, is this something that we should talk about? The importance of of people in our church knowing the things that need to be done. Yeah, I've encountered that same type of thing, Alan. I've got one of our pastors that's retiring after a long time of service and has done a fabulous job. And and his wife has also done uh, several jobs within the church. And so as they come to retirement, (laughs) <laughs> the church is having to say, okay, do we know what that all they do? And so I'm kind of leading them through a process of writing down all those those different jobs. And so uh, it's it's important to know, you know, what if something happens, you know, some crazy accident happens to one of your main volunteers? Uh, what do you do? Uh, does anybody else know all that they do? Yeah, so what we want to just talk to you about today is thinking through your processes. Do you have yourself covered so that those jobs can be done? And then there's probably some things you should think about with those, and we want to talk to you about those things as well. And I think, Trent, maybe the most important place that we start with is the financial responsibilities in a church. What happens when the person who handles the finances is unavailable? Because, you know, you probably want to be paid. If, if you're a pastor yeah. <laughs> and there's no one to write your paycheck, you got a problem. And I've certainly been in that situation of chasing down my own paycheck before. And that's not a very fun situation. You're absolutely right, Alan. Uh, in the ministry that we have, we had that um, our treasurer came down with COVID a couple of years ago and uh, was basically incommunicado for a couple of months. And so we didn't have any way to get any pay or any payments done in bills either. And so it was a massive deal and stressful. Oh, Lordy, it was not any fun. So, yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really important is for us to train, make sure that there's training so someone knows where those things are. So that the church also knows who their signatures are, who can access what, and what policies and procedures do you have in place so that more than one person can pay checks on different accounts. Yeah, um, you know, and that's what typically uh, most churches have multiple signers 
but do all those signers know where the checkbook is or or how things need to be taken care of or even is there a list of bills that have to be done you know some bills come once in a while or once a year and and you can have a little bit of grace and leeway but there are some like utilities and things that are pretty timely and you've got to make sure the lights stay on and the air conditioner stays on during the summer months or you're going to be up a creek yeah so you know one of the things that my bookkeeper does is has an ongoing list of things that are due on certain days and you know right now they're the only person with with who has access to our quickbooks and everything but we do have ways of getting checks out. We have other people who can sign checks or we can physically sign a check if need be. We've got ways of keeping things going um, so that we can keep the ministry moving as we need to. So in my previous church, we trained, um, we had a bookkeeper. We actually trained our office um, administrator in the role of, of being able to do checks on an as needed basis as well. So we were trying to create processes that allowed for that particular role to keep going because that can bring your church to a complete stop um, if you don't have someone who can do that. Yeah, um, we dealt with that as we changed treasurers um, and, you know, there were, she had done it a great job for a long time, but um, now there was nobody else who knew that list, you know, like you said, an ongoing list of what jaw or what bills come due at certain times. And, and, and so since it had been so long since we had changed the treasure, no one knew um, all the different accounts or no one knew the process that we needed to go to change the main person on all those accounts. And is a yeah, it's a lot to do. But yeah, having so being able to quote cross cross train uh, someone on that uh, is really important. So that's a that's a very important area as your finances. Can you think of another area, Alan, that might be important as well? Well, I think um, you know, in a similar vein, when you think about all the administrative functions of the church, so who has access to your accounts online? In the case of our last church, I was mostly the contact person so if there was a question about the utility bills or this or that i'm the only authorized person who could talk to those utility companies on that and so before i left i had to put together a list i had to start calling and, and making sure that other people could do that you know you have to move a closed credit card so someone else can open a new credit card um, and so you think about all those accounts like that which usually falls either to a pastor or administrative pastor or something like that. What are you going to do and how are you going to prepare for the, those administrative functions to go, which might be tied to the bills, but they're also just tied to other things. Who's the website administrator? Who's, you know, internet administrator? So you've got all these administrative office type things that go on that someone needs to know how to do those things. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the website um, and online um, social media kinds of things, um, because in my previous situation, I had been there for a long, long time like you had. And so a lot of those things were all in my name. You know, our website was I was the contact person. I had all the passwords, usernames, all that. Um, and our 
you know, internet provider. And also because we did a VOIP phone service, um, the phone service was, you know, I was the guy who kind of controlled that and, and re-upped that. So somebody else, you need, you've got to be able to share information. And I think that's a key when we talk about cross-training people is each of those people who have those jobs need to be willing to share some info. Um, you know, some people, I'll just tell you right up, they're very, they're control freaks and they don't want nobody touching their stuff and they've got it like they want it. And um, so that can cause all kinds of headaches when it comes to what if they're gone, you know? Yeah. And I think when we talk about these particular areas, especially the more administrative ones where people do get fired up, so to speak, because of their ownership in them. I think it's really important too when you're thinking about those things let's let's take um finances or let's take website those type of things if you have one person who's in charge of that and then they cross train a family member but you lose that family um you're still up the same creek so i i think it's very important now we had bylaws that did not allow two people of the same family to be on the on the finance team together um, I would highly encourage and recommend something like that. Mm -hmm. But when you're cross training, I think you also have to think about, okay, are these people related or is this someone who is dis unconnected in a way such that if we lost this one, we still have this person. So you have to think about those, those types of things when you're doing cross training. So just because a dad, let's say a dad likes to do something, he wants to train his son on it. Well, if you lose the dad, you lose the son. So, um, it's just a good time to pause and, and encourage you to think about that when we're talking about this subject, cross-training. So we've got finances, we've got administrative things. I think one of the other areas I see a lot of frustration in churches today is in technology. You know, we mentioned websites, but there's the, da the daily technology, the sound, the video. Mm -hmm. You know, we got, everyone's got screens and all those kinds of things. Who's going to handle that? Yeah. Oh gosh. We had in uh, my previous church, we had one of our guys who was so good at all of our tech stuff and worked really, really hard. But a couple of times a year, he went on mission trips or helped with some other ministries and he was gone. And, and yeah, the sound and the video part of our service. Oh man, it was always a scramble. It's like, okay, who else knows how to um, change the words on the screen for the songs, you know? Uh, and so, it, you know, it can really stop the service and cause all kinds of problems, say for the music minister, someone who's leading worship, they're not usually the one who has to worry about it. They just tell the person the songs and they put them on the screen. But now that person's gone. Um, you know, and you mentioned earlier, this is an area that churches have to deal with that businesses don't typically have to deal with is what if a family gets upset or they get, maybe they're, they move because of a job change or whatever, but you know, you lose a big part of, of your ministry. Um, and we also had people that were called to be uh, missionaries from our church and it was like, yay, but oh darn, <laughs> they were so good at, you know, and they had a lot of jobs. Yeah. So I, and I think that's a tough one, especially when you think about like the, the sound technicians, there are so few guys who understand that. And one of the things I'm running into as well is that as more and more churches get digital soundboards, 
the guys who grew up on analog soundboards don't know how to work them. And you, you really do need a tutorial session to learn how to use a digital board. And you can set those up and they should work seamlessly, but I can tell you from experience, they never work seamlessly. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter how you have them set up. You know, something something's not going to work right. So who knows that information? Who knows how to work that? Who knows how to find the answers? All those kinds of things. So important that you do some training and that you have training days. That you find someone who knows it well enough that they're willing to invest in some other people to help them learn. Well, Alan, as we're talking about this in particular, I can imagine that there may be somebody who's in a small church that are like, well, we don't have any of that. We don't have to worry about that. But let me give you an example of how this is important, even in a small church. The other, this past Sunday, um, in one of our churches, it was at the end of the service, the organist, they have an organ. And so the organist gets up there ready to go play the invitation. And she turns on the organ and it automatically starts playing a song. She's not playing, but the organ is playing a song and it is not the invitation song. <laughs> so everybody else is freaking out a little bit, but they don't know how to respond. And the organist is freaking out. Finally, she had to shut it down. She did a great job of waiting till an appropriate time in the song to just turn off everything. So that's an area where, hey, you know, all these little details <laughs> show someone else because there, there may be somebody else who maybe you have a digital keyboard and all those digital keyboards, they come with some preloaded songs. Uh, make sure that you show if somebody else is going to be playing, show them how to set it to the right setting and not have those songs playing. So little details like that can really mess with the service. Yeah, yeah. You don't want people going play ball at the end of the organ thing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. That that's pretty good. I mean that's but that's the what we're talking about is training people so that you don't have as much things that can just take away from what you're doing. You don't want something like that happening in, happening in a response time. You want people able to respond without distraction. And that's just what we're talking about. You don't want your church distracted. A distracted church is an unhealthy church. And so everything we can do to move away from distractions helps us do church in a better way. And when we do church better, we stay healthier. Our church stays healthier and vibrant longer. So. You know, we've talked about some of these things in the areas of finances now, administration, technology. Trent, there's also the teaching and teaching and preaching areas. You know, I was always responsible to find my own substitutes. And some of them are people trained up from within. Sometimes they're people, you know, from without. But even more importantly, Sunday school classes to, to cross train teachers. And, you know, this is really raising up a new generation of leaders in our church. You're right. And, and hopefully there would be, you know, teachers with vision and passion to train up someone in their class that could take this, their place. Um, and that's so hard because a lot of our folks anymore, they don't want anything to do with speaking in front of people. That's, I mean, that's the number one fear worldwide, but it seems magnified even in our churches. Um, but uh, we need to once again, call people out and say, hey, 
I see this leadership in you and I want to give you the opportunities and I want to train you um, to, to be able to do this. And for Sunday school classes or small group leaders, that is really, really important. and can be a blessing to your church. Yeah, that can be. So one of the things you have to remember as a pastoral leader or ministry leader is that if you don't do it, who will? So you, this is one where you have to take the initiative. You have to invest in others. It's not always easy. You can do it better yourself, but you might not always be there. So you have an obligation to try to cross train and train up another generation to do that. You know, I've got a pastor here in my area who has been training up other preachers, lay preachers in his church. They have a class they go through. They go through systems and how to study, how to put a message together. And when he's gone, um, they don't miss a beat. And there are Sundays where he actually sits back and lets one of the people they've trained preach because they, they value equipping in their church. And I think that's something we should value in all of our churches is equipping. I think there's enough narcissists in a lot of us that we don't want to share our pulpits. And yet, one of the best things we can do is train up someone else who can be another voice for our church. And so, whether it's in the teaching side or the preaching side, I think we have this huge responsibility um, to cross-train people who can do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And especially in the preaching ministry, that is such a you know unique ministry point in your church. Uh, and so being able to train up, I loved training up young men all the way from the time that I started ministry, working with college kids all the way through and, and uh, you know, love getting to give opportunities and sit back and listen to uh, young men be able to stand up before the congregation and share. Uh, that was such a great opportunity. And, and so I want to encourage you um, teachers and ministers and all the all of you folks that are serving in your church you need to think vision and communication you know i and do i have a vision for making things long term in our church if so then i'm going to be proactive in being able to bring some people beside me and i'm also going to be willing to communicate uh, whether it's writing down some notes or um, having someone sit beside you and show them every step of the thing, you know, that's so important. And and as a pastor, man, you've got to do this. You've got to do Be looking for some young men and start them off in small little bits, you know, get them to share little bits of the service and then grow that as they come along. But um especially when you invite a, a substitute pastor in for a week, which I get to do that almost every Sunday. I'm preaching somewhere. Alan is as well. Uh, and it's always so interesting because most of the time, nobody tells you what the order is or, you know, what they do at certain times. And they may expect you to be uh, leading the prayer at a certain time, but nobody tells you that, right? Or nobody knows how to make the, the pastor's microphone work because he always takes care of that. So there's all kinds of little details that pastors, you need to be teaching someone else how to do those details as well. 
that'll even funnel down Trent to how you receive someone as a new member or someone who walks forward and makes a decision in your church, because not every church does it exactly the same way. Sometimes it's the pastor. Some churches have deacons come staying down there or other ministry leaders. And so what do you do to receive someone? So I was preaching in a church not long ago and someone walked an aisle, they prayed. I, I didn't know what their process was. And, mm -hmm. And then so I asked someone at the end of the conclusion of the service and none of them knew what to do. I'm like, wow, okay, this is a problem. We need to know what to do when we receive someone and someone should be trained in that. So, you know, you don't think about that, but if you're going to be gone, have you trained anyone to know how to counsel someone in a decision process um how does your church do it like this person obviously they wanted to come and join the church they'd been back in church they said it was their second time in church in 10 years and they'd grown up in church wanted to come back to church and they wanted to join but i knew that that pastor had a process i knew they did a new members class but no one else knew how to explain that or do that and that needed to be done so there are things like that that you have to think about. Who are we training up to handle decisions? Um, what about the worship side today? We, we you know, probably the biggest, the biggest need in many of our churches is to find a, a worship leader. And people say, where are we going to find them? The number one place you're going to find them are the ones you train up yourself because you're not going to probably find them elsewhere. So if you don't train them, no one else is training them for you. Right. And because you, you said that, Alan, it's so true that we, we have to train up our own because it used to be um, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, everybody, well, we just get, you know, put the word out, we'll get some resumes and we'll bring it. I'm telling you, folks, that has not happened in these days. And you've got to be training up and calling out some people from among your own congregation. And um, they'll have more a heart for your ministry than anyone from the outside will. They'll have a heart for the people that are in your church when you train up those that come from your church. It'll be so important. Um, and Alan, I want to throw in too that you and I have talked uh, numerous times about the need for vacation and getaways for pastors and ministry staff. That's also true of your the people in your pews, the lay people that are volunteers in your church. And so in order to give them that opportunity to take a vacation, you need to make sure that they train someone so that they can not worry about it and go. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's so true. We want people to know how they can take a break without stressing out that they're taking a break. You know, as pastors, we don't want to do that. As pastors, you want to be able to get away and know that everything's in good shape and you're going to come back just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. Your church moves along well without you. And you don't want to come back and find it in shambles. And, and everyone wants to go away that way. Everyone deserves to go away that way because our churches should be places where we're raising up and training people to come along behind us. So what job is it that I'm doing in the church and how is it I can train someone else to do that job? And there's a lot of jobs we've not talked about in the church today, but it's really true for every role that we have. You're right. I mean, pastors just walk around on a given Sunday or Wednesday or whenever that you do ministry and, and just look at all the people that are involved and ask yourself this very important question. Who else knows how to do what they do? 
Um, hopefully you've got some other folks, but this would be a great um, meeting to have with all your volunteers. Just get them all together and say, hey, I want you all to be able to have breaks once in a while. And in order to do that, so everybody needs to be cross-training someone to do their ministry position. So that's that's kind of what we've been talking about today. Um, Alan, what are your last thoughts about this? Well, it, I think it goes back to that very part, Trent, that we want our churches to endure. And enduring churches cross-train people to be successful. So make sure that you're doing everything you can do to be successful. Absolutely. And so um, I hope this sparks some thought on your behalf and that maybe you do take that walk around and, and just consider the people that make your ministry work because it's more than just the pastor. Everybody should realize that. And as you walk around and look, first of all, you should be very thankful for those people that are already serving. Encourage them every chance you get. Tell them thank you. Um, we had one of our ladies that was so good at when VBS was going on, our children's minister, she would, she was giving out all kinds of crazy ways to say thank you. And uh, it was fun. And so we should be doing that, telling our folks thank you in creative ways. But then encourage them also, find some folks that can help you. Because that's one of the largest complaints you'll ever hear, ministers, from your people who are serving is, well, I'm having to do this all by myself. And the only reason that's true is because you've not asked someone to help you. That's a great piece of advice, and that's a good one to end on. If you want to cross-train some folks, you've got to ask somebody. So, again, we hope you got something out of this today. We love talking to you and your church about how you can endure. We want you to be an enduring church and a church where people know their role and how to train someone else in their role will be a thriving church and will be a growing church. So thanks for joining us. Hey, do something for us if you would. Give us a great rating so that others can pick up on our podcast and share this with someone else. We want to get to 10,000 downloads before this year's up. So help us do that. And we hope you have a great week. We'll catch you next time.